It's the final days of six-year no-interest financing at Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Upgrade that leaky, squeaky patio door from just $84 a month. Set your free consultation now at 855-PALA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Make up your mind. If you have not heard the story, here's the way the Wall Street Journal starts it out. CDC to urge vaccinated people to resume masking indoors in some areas. Move marks a change again from the agency's earlier guidance as highly contagious Delta variant spreads. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention is expected to recommend today that vaccinated people resume masking in public indoor spaces in areas with high or substantial COVID-19 transmission as the Delta variant spreads. A person familiar with the decision said the move marks a change from the top health protections agency guidance in May. Now, here we are in July that vaccinated people no longer need to mask or physically distance in most indoor and outdoor settings. Some public health experts had called on the CDC to revisit its mask guidelines for vaccinated people as cases have surged in some parts of the country and vaccinations have slowed. Um, and, okay, so what does this mean? Well, to give you an idea, roughly 46% of U.S. counties are considered to be high transmission areas. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So after telling us for months that if you are vaccinated, you are essentially protected, doesn't mean that there can't be a breakthrough case, because there are, but even if you get the breakthrough cases, it is going to be typically mild. If you look at the hospitalizations, the overwhelming majority of people who are hospitalized with COVID are people who have been unvaccinated. So now the CDC is saying, you know, when we told you that you didn't need to wear masks indoors, never mind, we want you to now reverse yourself, at least in areas where there are outbreaks, which is probably about half the country. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. First of all, I don't think people are going to do this. Secondly, I think that by reversing yourself again, you make yourself seem it is difficult to know what to believe. Now, I've been willing to give the CDC some slack. I mean, in the beginning, you know, you had the recommendations, don't wear a mask, it doesn't help. And then, okay, we've learned more about the virus, and so now we think you need to wear a mask. I understand that science changes. But as near as I can tell, that the science has not changed at all since this recommendation. If you are vaccinated, you are protected. Now, again, you can have breakthroughs, no question about it, but your chance of getting extremely sick and needing to be hospitalized are slim to none. It's just almost never happens. Can you get it again? Yes. If you choose 
even though you're vaccinated to continue to wear a mask. I think that that's up to you. But now the CDC saying, okay, indoors in areas where the virus is around, you, you, you should go back to wearing a mask. Well, then the question becomes, what's the point of getting vaccinated? If essentially by wearing the mask, they're saying there's no real advantage to getting vaccinated. Now, I'm vaccinated. I don't buy into that. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your reaction to this new CDC pronouncement, a reversal of course over where they were a month and a half ago, two months ago, will people follow it? And in making this recommendation, are they really making it tougher to sell vaccinations to people? Because if you say, hey, you know, get vaccinated, you're going to be protected. Now the response is going to be, well, well, wait, the CDC says that even if I'm vaccinated, I need to wear a mask. So why should I get vaccinated? 855-616-1620. I'm telling you, I think the CDC has bungled this on many different levels. And this reversal, of course, today might be the most inexplicable other than the fact that you've got some politicians and some quote-unquote medical health experts who are trying to pressure them to do this, I think that they've really shot themselves in the foot. I think advice like this is counterproductive. Like I say, I think there's a lot of people who are just now going to throw up their hands and say, what, what, you know, what, what is the science? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Here's a text that I I do think looks at the future, and and maybe this is the case. Jeff, masking is a message to be safe, to be careful, and setting an example to stupid people who are not vaccinated. Masking will be the norm in the future. All right, and uh, masking will be the norm in the future. That may very well be the case, that under the justification of of, of health stuff, hey, don't want to get a cold, wear a mask in public. Is this the new normal where the government will now tell you if you are out in public and you are indoor spaces, wearing masks is what you must do? I, I don't necessarily disagree that I think that some under the guise of public health, that's where we're going. You don't want to get a cold, do you? Because somebody could have a compromised immune system. They could get a cold and they could get sick. Don't want to get the flu. So just Wear a mask everywhere. Is that far-fetched? I don't know. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Dave. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I think the narrative of nearly all the hospitalizations are people that have not been vaccinated. I think that narrative is crumbling before our eyes. I've been paying attention to numbers very closely. And it started off a few weeks ago. That's That's all we read about. However... Uh, On July 15th, the Jerusalem Post uh, reported, and as you know, Israel is one of the most vaccinated countries on the planet. The Jerusalem Post reported that of all of their COVID-related hospitalizations, 58% of the patients are currently fully vaxxed. And this is 10, you know, plus 10 days ago. And if you look hard enough and search for headlines in the United States, it's happening here, too. More and more fully vaccinated people are being hospitalized. And when you say hospitalized, that is a serious condition. So this whole narrative of, well, the vaccination is going to protect you from the seriousness or you know, develop some, developing something really bad. It's there to help you so you can get some easy. That's crumbling because more and more people, thousands of people, as a matter of fact, are now being hospitalized 
that have been fully vaccinated. Well, I think thanks for God. I guess you know we can argue about the numbers, and I, I don't know what vaccine they, they gave in Jerusalem. The stuff that I am looking at says suggests that you know most of the people, the majority of vaccinated people who were admitted to the hospital for COVID nineteen were probably infected shortly before or around the time of their vaccinations. Now the, the numbers vary. The numbers that I've seen is it's about three percent for hospitalizations. Now maybe it's a little more, maybe it's five percent or whatever. And I understand that it can still happen. But I guess the question becomes, all right, does that mean then that the vaccines don't work? Does that mean that we're in a permanent situation where you're going to be wearing masks for the, the rest of, of your life? And the truth of the matter is, look, you, you can once you get that vaccine, you, you can if if we're going to say, gee, five percent you know, still can get COVID again, can be those breakthrough cases, and they can end up getting sick, and they might be in the hospital. So because of that 5%, we want you to wear masks for the rest of your lives. I mean, if that's if that's the argument, okay, that's fine. If, in fact, it's true that the vaccines don't work, now, I don't buy that. See, I want people to get vaccinated. I think that's the way out of this. But the message I think you send to vaccinated people to tell them, hey, you need to wear masks again and you need to social distance and you need to because, you know, these vaccines aren't going to work. Isn't that the implied message by telling people that you need to mask up uh, again? 855-616-1620, which is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Cindy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Cindy. Um, I just wanted to say that I am not vaccinated, and I was pretty close to becoming vaccinated until I hear things like that. Um, I do have one of my family members, uh, four of the seven, one being a child under 12, just came up positive. They all had COVID, and they all had their shots. None of them were hospitalized, except one of them did go to the emergency room twice and was released. But I'm not for sure after them changing their minds so many times that I actually want to get it. I don't believe it anymore. Well, that, you, Cindy, that's that. That's the problem that I, I think you have, that, that I understand that, that people have. Now, look, I'm vaccinated. I think it's in the interest of people to get vaccinated. But I, I get it. When the CDC is is now the implicit message in what they're telling you is you, you could you could get sick again after you've had the vaccination. So how do right. we convince people to get vaccinated if we're telling them, well, may, maybe it doesn't work? Now, I believe it works. That's why I think today is just so mind boggling to try to go back and say, OK, well, now you have to do it again. We're, to me, you're sending mixed messages at best. Correct. I agree 100 percent. Thanks for call. which isn't it, it's what the frustration is. You say, OK, well, follow the science. And I, I get that. We've been told follow the science. But the, the science, the science is a situation where, uh, you know, what? What 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 is it? Has it changed? Well, no, they say it hasn't changed. Jeff, no reversal. Things are getting worse. Just ask any hospital nurse. No, I, I will tell you, it's interesting. I, I I ran into a couple hospital nurses yesterday. Now, maybe different areas of the country are different, but I ran into a couple area nurses here, and I said, you know what? How how's how's COVID at the hospital? And they said non-existent. We have said last week we had two. This week we've got four. But statistically, you know, no, it it's not that at all. Jeff, count me out. Somebody else, no, I'm not doing that as well. Jeff, Israel was using the Moderna vaccine. Um, Okay, well, all right. Uh, Israel was using the Moderna vaccine 
I mean, look, I don't know if the, the Moderna vaccine works as well as the Pfizer or not, but, but the problem with this is you, you, you can't keep telling people to do this and then changing your mind. And that's what the CDC is. And my point all along has been if the vaccinations protect you and make it unlikely that you are going to get COVID, well, then you should feel free to go out in, in public, shouldn't you? And if you shouldn't feel free to go out in public, is that an indication that the vaccines don't work? Now, again, I'm not an anti-vax guy. I think people should get vaccinated, but it is mixed messages at best. 855-616-1620. Pete in Milwaukee. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Pete. Uh, I have a I have an opinion that's uh, pretty strong because I'm in healthcare. I tell you, I think the CDC has the right to change their mind if it has more facts to man. It's tough, no, but as they if we have more history behind under our belts, we're going to learn things, and it might change how we approach certain things. Uh, I think that ultimately, as we in in six months a year, we're going to look back and we'll say, "Thank God we did that," or we might say. <laughs> We didn't have to do that at all, and but that's just the way it is. This is pretty new, and uh, you know we're still in the first year and a half of this whole thing. We're learning as we go, and every couple of months we're going to see different recommendations based on medical professionals, based on what's happening. And as we have new variants, and we don't know how well the vaccines protect us, you know ultimately, uh, you know we're going to go ahead and make new recommendations. But, but I guess, so, Pete, the, que- the fundamental question is, do you interpret then what the CDC is saying today is the vaccines don't work effectively, so you need to wear masks to protect yourself? I mean, is, is that the upshot no. of... Okay, then why no, wear masks? Not at all. The vaccines, the va- well, vaccines are effective with a small percentage of people that are at risk because we don't have all the data. So if you want to ultimately protect yourself, wearing a mask helps you and also help, protects other people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the reason I wear a mask when I go into the store. And I want people to know that I am not a threat to them. And I don't know what I'll come across. I don't know what variant I might get exposed to. And ultimately, am I protected? At what point does my vaccine we're thin and I need a booster. We don't even have that data yet. Is it so you're, so you're in year? for the long haul. You're planning to wear a mask for years? Yep. Okay, good enough. Thanks. Uh, no, no, I know. Well, fair enough. No, fair, fair, I mean, at least fair enough. Through no. the winter time, it's the spring, and then we'll have more information. I, fair enough, Pat, Pete. Summer. I get it. Okay, th- I get it. I get it. I understand there are people out there that are prepared to look and, and see. Let's understand what that commitment is. That commitment is essentially you're prepared to wear a mask for a year or multiple years, because I think most people will tell you that COVID is going to be with us. I I think COVID is going to be seasonal. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to get to a point where you have herd immunity. And if you've got different variants that are out there and you've got these changes, I mean, then the logical position is we're going to wear a mask for for a year, two years, three years, we we will. I mean, I think I think, and I've said this at the, since the start of this. There are some people that I believe are going to be wearing masks for the rest of their lives, and that's fine. I, I don't have a, a problem with that. If if you want to wear a mask because you want a virtue signal, if you want to wear a mask because even though you are vaccinated, you are concerned that you might be asymptomatic. 
and and still be a carrier and then run into somebody who's not vaccinated and infect them and, and, and you don't want to do that? Oh, OK, that that's fine. Now, I don't really know what the odds are of that. I'd like to see some studies which suggest that identify the number of people who are unvaccinated, who are hospitalized, who got sick because they came into contact with somebody who was vaccinated, who was asymptomatic and gave it to them. My guess is those numbers are, are pretty minuscule. But nevertheless, if, if you want to wear the mask because you, you don't want to be one of that very, very minuscule percentage of people who might inadvertently come into contact and get somebody sick, I respect that. I respect that, but I don't think this message is consistent, and I think that what the CDC has done today, I repeat, I think has made it much more difficult to go out and communicate to those people who are unvaccinated that you should get vaccinated. And I think that's the bad message to send out here because I I do believe that vaccinations work. I think for all intents and purposes that once you are vaccinated, you are largely protected and in almost the vast majority, if not all, not all, all is a, a big word, but in the highest percentage of cases, if you are vaccinated, you are not liable to be, you know, infected to a point that you're either going to spread it or alternatively that you're going to end up in, in the hospital. Now, admittedly, if you're somebody with a compromised immune system or you're somebody that's in one of those particularly high risk categories, maybe you want to take some extra steps. I, I get it. But for the average healthy person, I think the CDC was right in May, and I think they've done themselves a huge disservice by reversing course today. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. As as one final note on this, let let me share with you a, a piece that this is just put out by the CDC on the idea of breakthrough situations. We had a call earlier. Oh, all these hospitalizations, all th- these numbers. I've been watching this. And all the, these these people that are vaccinated, they're they're ending up in the hospital. And somebody else just texted me. Oh, you're spreading misinformation. You know, you you can still get sick if you get it. You're just less likely to be in the hospital. Okay, here, here's here's the story. This is from. Yesterday, CDC, ABC News, symptomatic breakthrough COVID-19 infections are rare. Although reports of breakthrough COVID-19 cases occurring among fully vaccinated Americans are garnering much attention as the, as the country experiences a vital resurgence, new data illustrates just how rare these infections are and further shows that the vast majority of those becoming severely ill are unvaccinated. Okay, this is what the the CDC says. While anecdotal cases of clusters can conjure concern about the vaccine, when put in the larger context of how many people have been vaccinated and the sheer volume of cases in the unvaccinated population, we recognize that the vaccines are working and breakthroughs are extremely rare. Now, here are the numbers. With more than 156 million Americans fully vaccinated, nationwide approximately 153,000 symptomatic breakthrough, breakthrough cases are estimated to have occurred as of last week. 156 million vaccinations, 153,000 symptomatic breakthrough cases. In other words, that represents approximately zero point zero nine eight percent of those fully vaccinated the the bottom line is that vaccinations work 
and statistically the evidence is overwhelming. If you are fully vaccinated, you are unlikely to get COVID-19 again. You are extremely unlikely to need to be hospitalized. And I I mean, you want to talk about the unicorn. Again, my challenge is let's find anybody who was unvaccinated, who then was made sick by somebody who was, in fact, vaccinated, asymptomatic and passed it on. That's looking for the unicorn. Now, if you want to wear masks, that's fine. But again, I repeat, I think the CDC has done a huge disservice to itself and to the efforts to try to get Americans vaccinated by backtracking on its advice because the message it sends by implication is that the vaccines aren't working and the vaccines are in fact working overwhelmingly. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, interestingly, uh, one of our texters makes the point, just to kind of wrap up what we were discussing about the the changing guidance. Um, Jeff, I think with CDC's most recent change is largely due to the fact that schools are going to be reopening. They are positioning schools to require masks for all children with C. The CDC is recommending it, so we have to go with it. That saves the school districts and the teachers' unions from being the bad guys. For the record, I do not want my kids masked this fall. That's by Jane, from Jamie. You know, there, there could be the, be something to that because, again, I, I think – you can say follow the science, but I think you can argue that the CDC has not necessarily been following the science. They have been following politics as much as science. And the politics is there's all sorts of pressure out there. And, you know, I, I, I hear from folks who are like that. We should be wearing masks forever. And, and you know, we have to we have to be safe and we have to save the children and things like that. And how irresponsible is it for people to suggest that anyone vaccinated or not should go out in, in public and, and not be wearing masks and doing these things? And, and I do think think the CDC bows to politics from time to time, and that could be one of the, the things. Hey, if you're going back to school, just, just don't even think about not making the kids wear masks. Um, you know, that's the example of that. All right, let us switch gears. The um, We talked the other day about rat infestations i hate to do it during the noon hour but it was it's just we, we've had comebacks with, with rats we, we've had stories about rats in different areas and the the response of local government has been not our problem which i i think is just kind of amazing sort of thing that i mean if if you've got rats which carry disease and things like that and they're running around in west Dallas or they're running around in the city of waukesha that's where the latest story was and the city takes the position of well it's it's not our problem Huh. That that that's that's interesting. I, I wonder what city thinks a city thinks its function is if it's not to control disease carrying rodents. But that's sort of like what the approach is. But then it's interesting to me because when a city does try to do something, then you get a blowback. So here's the story. It was picked up by a number of the local television stations and the local paper. All right, food is free, Milwaukee which is a, a food-sharing site in Sherman Park. It's one of these, like, free food pantries. And what they do is it, it's set up in, in a Sherman Park neighborhood, and, and what they do is it's it's free food. There's, there's, like, an open pantry, and there's a refrigerator, and, you know, people can come, and they're, they're free to, to help themselves to food. And obviously, 
obviously it's it's a good thing. The food pantry has been around for more than a year. The city, however, ordered it to close in late June because a number of area residents were complaining that the food pantry, the open food that was available, was attracting rats. <laughs> um, one of the guys who lives in the neighborhood, one of the women who lives in the neighborhood, said that they've never had any rat problems in the neighborhood before, but over the course of the last year, since the free food pantry opened up, they've caught 47 rats in the last year. They say it's gotten so bad that the 12 or 12-year-old son won't even play in the backyard anymore. And to the people who are coming to take care of the, get the free food and stuff, that, that's all great. But said, you know, they don't know what's going on. Says none of them have picked up 47 rats. And see, what happens is this free food pantry is in violation of rules stating that social service and outdoor storage facilities are, are prohibited. And that's because, again, if, if you've just got food that is sitting out and is accessible to rodents, well, it, it, that's against the rules. So what happened is, you know, the, the city investigated. They said, yeah, okay, these the, the way this is set up is in violation of of the rules, and um, you, you're going to have to close down. So first of all, they applied for a variance to the rules, and ultimately the city said no. Um, but but you know, here's the here's the problem. They're still attracting rats. So I'm looking at, at the story in the Journal Sentinel today, and one of the people that runs it says, Are we doing more harm here than good, dearest city of Milwaukee? Do the costs really outweigh the benefits of food being free? So the argument would be, well, look, here here's the here's the deal. You know, yes, we're attracting rats. But we're also, you know, we're giving away free food. So why should, you know, people be upset about this? Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, there's a rat problem. There's a reason why you're not allowed to have, like, outdoor storage, you know, facilities for this food. Because it attracts rats. Are the neighbors wrong to complain? Is the city being cruel and heartless because it's saying you got to close this down because you're attracting rodents? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My, my answer is, what do you expect? I mean, look, I, I appreciate that you have hunger issues in, in the city. I, I get it. You have hunger issues all over. I am not questioning the motivations of the people that run the free food pantries. That That's great. But you've got to do it by the rules. And if you are attracting disease-carrying rodents to a particular neighborhood, I understand why the neighbors would be upset. 47 rats in your backyard. The kid can't even go out and play. Of course the city has to shut it down. Don't they? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I seriously don't know what the operators of this food pantry or its proponents expect that the city to do. The rules are there to protect public health. And to me, it, it's not a question of do, do you care about people who are hungry? Uh, obviously you do, but you can't feed people that are hungry if it's going to be causing all these other problems. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I'm looking at Channel 6 report on this. They interview one of the, the neighbors. It's being, this is this outdoor storage facility, that this pantry, that this free food pantry that somebody opened up without a permit, without permission. It's being overrun by rats, says one of the neighbors. I don't mean four or five rats. I mean hundreds of rats. And then these neighbors say, hey, we, we've lived here for 10, 15, 20 years, never have rats. Woman who lives next door to this says she's killed dozens of rats, says rats have chewed through car wires and left droppings all over the place. And now the city is shutting down the pantry that doesn't have a permit because it's violating all these different rules. Well, what do you expect the city to do? Mike in Brookfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Mr. Wagner. Hi. I definitely see your point of view. And the food pantry must be shut down because of violation of various city ordinances. But one thing, have the city get rid of the rats so they can keep the food pantry. Well, but the problem, the way I understand, look, I, I don't claim to be an expert in rats, but one, one of the problems is rats are attracted to food, and they've got like this open air, that, that, that just, it's, it's like a shed that they put like food on that people can come and help themselves. That, that's why you, you can't have... You can't have food pantries that operate like that. Um, it, it just, I guess it seems to me, Mike, that, I mean, if you, you, as long as you're going to have food that's going to be accessible in this way, you're always going to have rats. That's why, that's why you have to have indoor storage facilities, and you just can't put food out on a curb and, and let people come and help themselves. Your point is very much understood. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's not a question of the city being anti-food pantry. It's just that there's all these public health rules. And and by the way, you know, by by the way, um, I, I if this is really a problem and, and you've got rats that are getting rodents that are they're getting access to this food, what what does that say about the, the safety factor of some of the food? What happens if somebody gets sick because, hey, we put out some loaves of bread and, you know, the, the, the rats, you know, chewed on it and things like that? I mean, what 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 is what happens if somebody gets sick? And it does sound like this is a very, very real problem, which is one of the reasons why the, the city has these various rules. And look, all I can tell you is if I was in, <laughs> if I lived in this neighborhood and I, I saw that, hey, OK, without a permit. In violation of the zoning regulations, you know, one of my neighbors, out of the goodness of her heart or whatever, was just putting up not one of those little libraries where people come and get books, but was putting up food so people could help themselves, even out of the goodness of their heart. If it was attracting all these rodents, I I, I mean, I'd be objecting to this, too. There are rules in place for public health situations. And to me, I I just don't think the city has a choice. Um, Lucy on the west side. Lucy, you're in WTMJ. Yeah, hi. I can see both. Hello. I can see both points, too. But for right now, there is a compromise. But nobody wants to compromise. She could scale back her the little food pantry to only secured canned goods. Mm -hmm. The problem is that the rodents are tearing into things like bread or packaging. And I mean, squirrels. I have had squirrels carry pizza boxes into my backyard. Right. So, um but I, th- I mean, I, the compromise I see is for right now, until they can figure out something, just go straight to nothing but canned goods, and that way people can, if she wants to do it, but something could be done. 
Um, it sounds like, though, at this point, nobody's in a mood to compromise, yeah, which is th- too bad. No, right. Thanks. Good. Right. Because it, it's at, at the same time. And, and I appreciate you're, you're right. If you I, I would seem to me if you just went to canned goods. So from what I understand, the complaints aren't because of traffic or people you know coming. It, it's because there's a rodent infestation, which is the primary thing. If you wanted to get a permit and you wanted to say, OK, it's only going to be canned goods. So we don't have to worry about that. That might be to your point, Lucy, it, it might be a compromise. But even even at that, I mean, I, I kind of. I question, I, I sort of question these independent food pantries that you just kind of set up where, wherever. But yeah, that that probably does away with the rodent issue, I, I guess. But I, I don't know how many canned goods that they they get. I don't know whether that solves the problem one way or the other. But at, at least at this point in time, as this pantry operates now, y- you can't do it. Somebody just sent me a text. I live in West Dallas. The rats here are horrible and have been for a year. Here's a picture of one that made its way under the hood of my car to die. And ooh, it is a gross picture. Look, this is, you know, the, the, one of the, and see, the problem with the food pantry is when, when you call the city, for example, not just the city of Milwaukee, but if you call the city of Waukesha, if you call West Dallas and you say, we, we've got a, a rodent problem, we've got a rat infestation, the one thing that they will do is they'll they'll come out and they'll look to see if there's outdoor. A lot of times it, it's garbage that isn't picked up because the rats, to the point that Lucy was making, you know, the rats or the squirrels or whatever. I mean, they're attracted to to the food. So if if you've got outdoor food sources that are accessible to the rodents, it's going to attract them. So by definition, I, I think especially in an area like this, you're you're going to have rats. As long as you have the bread, as long as you have that that sort of perishable food that's going to attract it, and and you just can't do it. It's a city. I appreciate the fact that you got people that are hungry. This woman might be very very well motivated. No argument about that. But you can't do it the way she's doing it because none of us would like to have our neighborhood infested with rats. Well, how did that defund the police stuff work? Um, Barbara Boxer, former U.S. Senator from California, she served from uh, 1993 until she retired in 2017. Um, before that, she was in the House of Representatives for about 10 years. So um, very, very established politician. She um, lives in the San Francisco slash Oakland Bay Area. If you haven't heard the story, apparently what happened is yesterday – one fifteen in the afternoon, she was walking through Jack London Square neighborhood, which is one of the big areas in, in Oakland, and she was she was mugged. <laughs> um, she tried to cross the street. Somebody uh, slammed her across the back. She had her cell phone in her hand, knocked the cell phone out of her hand, um, grabbed the cell phone, jumped into a car. She said, how can I do this? You can do this to a grandmother. Why are you doing this? He could care less. He got into the car and sped away. So, um, you know, she, she was... She was mugged, not seriously injured, and that's the nice thing uh, about this. And the Oakland Police Department have now confirmed that, yeah, she she was assaulted. She was mugged about one fifteen in the afternoon. Now, the, the irony of this, of course, is because, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area is one of the places where, you know, all the hip and trendy ideas kind of start, including, like, let's defund the police. Just last month, the Oakland City Council decided to cut the police department's budget by about eight 
$18 million in favor of funding social services and violence protection programs. And now the, uh, you know, police chief who argued against this says, um, okay, you know, how, how's all this working out here? You know, we're, we're taking $18 million away from, you know, the police. And now you've got 80 year old ladies getting, who happen to be former U.S. senators getting mugged at 115 on, you know, in a major area of Oakland. How's that working out for us? I think you could ask that question about pretty much anybody who's argued, gee, we should take money away from police budgets. The answer is we should be putting more money into police budgets. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Okay. Let's talk about this story out of Caledonia. The Caledonia police chief uh, going on the offensive after, again, a 16-second video was posted on Facebook that generated all this, this different attention. And, and the concern is, were, were Caledonia police, were they out there planting evidence on you know poor, unsuspecting, in this case, you know black people that were driving through Caledonia? Well, here, here's the, the deal, and here is what happened. Um, you have Caledonia police on, on Wednesday that, you know, they're, they're doing traffic work, and they, they see a car going 45 miles an hour, for going 63 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. So it's it's speeding, and it's it's not even close to the speed limit. So they pull over the car. Okay, the, the driver... You know, is issued a speeding citation. As the police officers go up to investigate, it turns out that there's a couple guys in the back seat of the car, and um, they are not wearing seatbelts. All right, so you know, wearing seatbelts, it's it's a ten dollar fine. But we do have a mandatory seatbelt law in the state. So they say they try to identify the, the people in the car. The people, at least one of the folks in the car, refuses to identify himself. All right. Once this happens, now things are starting to escalate because you can't give somebody a seatbelt citation, you know, if they won't tell you who they are and won't provide identification. So at this point in time, they get people, they start getting people out of, of the car. And what happens in a situation like that is that there's always going to be a pat down search for the protection of the officer. And so in the context in the process of doing was this pat down search of one of the passengers, what happens is that they come across a, a baggie that one of the guys has in his possession. Now the baggie is cut in such a fashion that typically if you were if you were a drug, there's lots of reasons why you could have baggies in your pocket, I guess. I mean, I I have a dog. I always have one of my little dog's poop bags there. But, of course, it, it's not a clear plastic baggie. It's like a, a purple, you know, dog poop bag. But but regardless, I, there, there might be all sorts of legitimate reasons why people would have baggies in their pocket. But this is, you know, the, the end is torn. It's um, in a fashion that would not be abnormal for somebody who had drugs in it to be carrying drugs in that fashion. But regardless, th- this baggie is empty, okay? So we, we don't have a drug problem. There's no arrest for that. But the police officer, okay, pulls the baggie out, looks at it, sees that it is empty, right? And then 
takes this this empty baggie that he's removed from one of the passengers in the car. It, it has no evidentiary value. There's not going to be any sort of charges issued. There's no drugs in it. There's no nothing. And the officer is putting on his, his gloves because he's going to do a more thorough search. He's got the baggie in his hand. And in this 16-second video, he's captured by... He, ta- he what he does is he he takes this this bag that's been removed from one of the passengers and and tosses it back into the car. It has no evidentiary value, and this is where the 16 second video comes in. The officer tosses the plastic bag into the back seat. Guy on the recording says, "Hey, bro, what's that?" The officer responds, "What's what?" The guy says, "I got you on camera, bro," and the officer responds, "I got you on camera. We're we're all good," and then. The guy who's recording this says, hey, you just threw that in here. And so you, you then have this whole thing that just kind of the, the goes viral about, hey, you've, you've got these reports about the Caledonia police that are planting you know evidence. Well, OK, there, first of all, there's no charges that, that are issued. There's no drugs in the bag. And what you had is, again, this little essentially garbage that they took from one of the guys in the car and they were putting it back into the car. So this is this this huge scandal that's out there. The Caledonia police chief is being very aggressive saying, "Look, there's there's nothing that we did wrong in this particular case. This stop was by the books, no problem at all, and there there wasn't any sort of planting evidence at all. It was an empty bag that, you know, was removed from the person of one of the people who's being patted down, and the reason this was happening is because they wouldn't identify themselves, so we couldn't give them tickets. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I guess if you wanted to be hypercritical, I guess you could say that the officer, once he removed the the empty baggie, which was, for all intents and purposes, kind of like garbage, he could have just given it back to the person he removed it from instead of tossing it into the back seat of the car where the guy was was sitting. I, I guess you could you could make that argument that you know maybe they shouldn't have done that, but it had no evidentiary value at all. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand there's all sorts of people out there that always want to think the worst of the police, but really, how how dumb. Do you have to be to believe that this was some evidence of the Caledonia police, you know, planting evidence? I mean, nobody was arrested for drugs. Guy that was speeding got a speeding ticket. The couple of the people, once they identified him, who weren't wearing seatbelts, got their $10 tickets for not wearing seatbelts. Case closed, right? We discuss in a minute. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Bob. Bob, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. How's everything? Good. What do you think? I, 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 I suspect no wrongdoing. I spent 29 years in the profession. This is the 21st century. Why didn't he just put the flipping bag back where he got it from? Yeah, I mean, get, right, give it back to the guy who he took it from. Put it in his pocket. If you took it out of his pocket, put it back in his doggone pocket. You have to. You have to conduct yourself as though you're always being videotaped, and in fact, in most instances, you are. I guess. What do you see as the 
Okay, I, right, and I, I understand. I think procedurally, you take it out of his pocket, it, it, you, you just give it back to him. But clearly, it was, it was an empty bag. It's not like there were any drug charges issued. What do you think he did wrong by just tossing what was clearly garbage back into the car? Just tossing this clearly plastic bag back into the car. Okay. All right. Th- th- that, thanks for calling. Okay. Thanks for calling. Well, I mean, I, I guess I, I think from a procedural thing, and I'm, I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to put myself in the position of of the officer. And if you watch the video, he's like putting on his gloves because he's getting ready to do a more thorough search, and he's got the baggie in his hand. And I guess he could have given it back to the the guy that was out there, but it came out of the back seat. He's tossing it, you know, back back into the back seat. There's nothing. There's nothing in it. it. It's not like he was arrested for drugs. And I guess you you would think that, and I guess this is one of the frustrating things about the people that, that post this and, and that react to this. Okay, you, you post this. Oh, this is an officer planning evidence. Well, what was, what was the evidence there? It's not like anybody was charged with anything. It's clearly a, a piece of of junk that that's out there it's a piece of garbage that the guy had on on his person and yes you could have said here's your empty plastic bag with the sir with the with the corner torn off and i'm not going to ask you why you were carrying this because we probably we we might be able to surmise what might have been it at some point in time but there's nothing in it now so there's no problem with this at all instead of tossing it back where it came from but from the perspective of a law enforcement situation, does this really change the equation at all? 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Jeff, it did not come out of the back seat. It came from out of the gentleman's pocket. Yeah, the gentle. yes, the gentleman was in the back seat. And so, yes, it, he put it, officer tossed it, which is clearly garbage. He tossed it back into the back seat. Jeff, you think this type of stuff really doesn't happen? Wake up! So in other words, because we believe that officers are out there planting evidence, this means that this was an example of that happening. And I guess with all due respect, how dumb do people have to be to believe that? I mean, I'm not saying that there might not be some situation somewhere, sometime in the history where an officer has planted evidence. But in this particular case, you've got multiple officers. They're all wearing body cameras. And by the way, there were no charges issued. It's not like somebody says, hey, I found this thing with drugs in the back seat. Now you're all under arrest. It's not like that. It was an empty bag. And the cop was simply getting rid of the empty bag. Let's talk to Nate in Heartland. Nate, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Um, you know, I, like everything, there's there's two sides of a story, and, and maybe this is just as innocent as it sounds and it looks, but th- there has been uh, some distrust sown, and there are multiple videos you can find right now, a video of uh, officers who have uh, planted evidence and some stupid enough to do it with their body cameras on. Um, and, you know, when you go along with that, you know, if you if, if they were to come back to that baggie at some point and maybe there was some sort of residue in there that could get them in trouble, yeah, it, it did come off the particular uh, person in the back seat. But the actually officer who took it off of him did not actually even have that on their video either, showing that coming off of that person. So um, I think there's just a lot of distrust there back and forth, and uh, it probably just wasn't the right procedure to do it that way if that's, if that's all it was, if it was as innocent as he said it was. And then the weird thing was is he put the gloves on after the fact, for what particular reason, I'm not really sure why he was starting to put it if he was going to do a search, but they were going to search the car. And then do a search, you know? They were going to, no, they, they, yeah. I mean, they were, look, they were going to search. I guess, I guess what's, see, the, the big picture about this that I guess I, I find 
troubling is that there's so many people that are willing to to jump to conclusions, assuming that the police are are, are bad, that you have something which is extremely benign. Because like I say, the car was allowed to drive away. It's not like it's not like people were pulled out of the car and were arrested and charged for, you know, possession of drugs. It's it's not like there were any charges. You know, clearly what's going on here is you have you know, it's it's some garbage that was on the guy's person. The police officer had taken it off. He's he's they're look he's looking at it to see if there's drugs or appear to be drug residue. Nothing nothing in there. And so okay, here we're we're just tossing this back into the car. Should he have stuck it back into his pocket? Or here's here's your empty bag, sir. Yeah, I, I mean I, that's probably a better procedure. But from the idea of oh, this is planting evidence. Well, where is the evidence that was planted, Jeff? When I first saw there's a interesting text. When I first saw the video of the suspect's point of view, I was disgusted. I decided to dig deeper because learning from the 10-second video of Jacob Blake, that was, of course, the, the Kenosha shooting, there's always more than just one point of view. I saw the body camera from the officer. He was very pleasant and transparent with his intentions and what he was doing. I think this was good policing all along. Jeff, I have 28 years on the job now. It is very normal to lay stuff out that you remove from pockets. I would also assume that this was the last thing he was looking for in the pocket. If you stick a baggie back in the pocket, it makes it more difficult to continue searching the same pocket. Yeah, I... That's what I think is going on here. He's he's putting on his gloves. He's got this thing in the back of his hand. He realizes there is no evidentiary value to this at all, and he also realizes there's no value to it. Period, because it's just this little empty plastic bag. So he he doesn't want to toss it away. He's not going to save it as evidence. So the officer tosses it back in the car. Period. Case closed. No, no more than that. Jeff, had the officer disposed of the bag, uh, disposed of it, the bag, everyone would be talking about how they stole or discarded personal property. <sighs> yeah, I, I think there's, you know, an element of that a, as well that's, that, that's out there. And, Look, I, I have no doubt, and in, in the case in Minnesota, you know, I, I think shows that you will have examples of a police officer who can engage in misconduct and needs to be held accountable. Okay, no, no problem with that at all. But the vast majority of these situations, it's it's really nothing to see here. And this idea that we're going to assume that this is all oh, these these cops are all terrible. This is one of these classic examples of, of a rush to judgment that really has no basis in fact a- at all you know behind it but yet people are willing to make that rush to judgment and it underscores a point a couple texters are making and I I agree as well i mean you know, who wants to be a cop nowadays i mean you you do everything right you take a benign action here i'm tossing this piece of garbage pa- plastic bag back into the the back seat where you know the guy who had it in his pocket you know that that's where he came from there's no value to this at all evidentiary otherwise and immediately it becomes this huge scandal i understand why the caledonia police chief would get upset and and maybe we need to focus more on i don't know that the guys that are driving 63 in the 45 mile an hour zone just saying you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
All right. So yesterday afternoon, go home after work, take the dog out. And boy, it's kind of hot out there. My wife was with some friends. And so I've got a little bit of time. Turn on the television, channel surfing, come across ESPN. And there's the reports. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. And the reports are he's going to be showing up in training camp and that the sides have have arranged different concessions. And I'm thinking, huh, that, that's kind of interesting. What what are the, the concessions? So the reports are that, see, as, as we talked about yesterday, Aaron Rodgers had really very little leverage with, with the Packers because he was under contract. And so his only choice was, well, he could, he could not play. But I just, I mean, I, I, just, I don't see that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's at a, what is he, 37, be 38, you know, this year. You know, you, you can't, it's not like, you know, professional athletes typically, they typically don't age like fine wine. And, and Tom Brady notwithstanding, you're, you're, he, he's coming to the end of his career and you can't, I just couldn't imagine somebody just who I, I think very much wants to play, just deciding to, to sit out a year. And even if he sits out a year, that doesn't change the dynamic. He's still under contract to the Packers. So he really had no choice if, unless he wanted to just retire. He, he really had no choice but to at least make arrangements to come back to the Packers. So the the reports, and they're still ironing this out, is that Rodgers will report, Rodgers will play for the Packers. The Packers... The concessions are that they will agree to void the final year of his contract, which would be not this year, not next year, but 2023. He's got three years left. Um, and they would agree that they wouldn't put what they call a franchise tag on him because the way the, the rules work is that, you know, teams – if they can't sign a player, they can put a franchise tag on them, which says that, you know, it, it, it specifies by permit, by, by agreement how much money the person has to be paid. But any, and so that you can essentially keep a player on your team from going into free agency. But the Packers said we wouldn't do that. So also they would agree to review the Rogers situation at the end of the season so that even though he would be under contract for two years, they would uh, be open to trade demands at the end of the season. I have no idea what that means. And that they would put mechanisms in place to address his issues with the team. And nobody knows what that means, <laughs> you know, because I, obviously some of the reports have been that he, he's unhappy with not having a role in personnel decisions and things like that. But but they would address that. And in return, Aaron Rodgers will fly into Green Bay and he will show up and he'll be paid just a boatload of money. And he gets to keep all the money that was advanced to him. And he will play for the Packers this year and then maybe for, you know, one more year. But we'll, we'll see. So he has now returned. And the first practice is tomorrow. The anticipation is that he will be participating in the first practice. So all is well in Green Bay, I guess. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, Rogers is back. The the deal is, again, the devil's in the details, but apparently these are the parameters. Everybody seems to agree. So here is my question to you. Is all forgiven? Is Pack, Packer Nation, are you prepared to embrace Aaron Rodgers, the prodigal son? He's now returned. He, he's back. All is forgiven. Bygones be bygones. Let, let's go. Let's go ahead. Or has the results and has the events of the last couple months, has it left a mark that's 
that's not going to go away anytime soon. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I Look, I, I think you know we, we all want to see the Packers win. But I think, uh, I said this yesterday, even with his voluntary return, I think Aaron Rodgers has done huge damage to his image in Green Bay, and at least among Packer Nation. Not saying people are going to be rooting for him to fail, but um, if he does fail to perform at the level that he performed last year, I, I think it could, in fact, get ugly. And candidly, I think that um, a lot of the events of the last few months, I think he's hurt his image in more ways than people can imagine. But he, he's back now, is all forgiven, Eight five five six one six one six twenty. And I do concede the Packers go on a 12-game winning streak. That'll go a long way to letting bygones be bygones. But I think there's a lot of pressure to that that happens. If they stumble out of the start, I think a lot of people are going to be targeting Rodgers and blaming him for the mess. What do you think? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Let me start out with a text before we, we go to the calls. Jeff, I'm a season ticket holder for the Packers. I was very disappointed in Rogers' behavior. behavior. Um, in my opinion, he was given plenty of respect by the organization. Administrators and coaches flew to California to meet him on two separate occasions that I'm aware of. I feel they recognize his talents and the skills. I, for one, have a bad taste regarding Aaron, and I hope he does this job this year and leaves all the antics on the sidelines. I, I've always... Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because when, when this whole thing came up, and it, it's the idea of oh, there, you know, you're you're not getting respect and all. I guess, you know, I I I, I said kind of jokingly, I, I wish the people at WTMJ, my managers, would would disrespect me like the Packers disrespected Aaron Rodgers. Give me a guaranteed contract for three years. Make me the highest paid radio personality in Milwaukee radio. Advance me millions of dollars on the contract. You know, pay, pay me all this money up front. Oh, you know how how terrible that this is. What disrespect? I mean, it, it, only in the world of professional sports can can you have stuff like that go on. I guess I I look at this and I, I do believe that the vast majority of fans will never look at Aaron Rodgers the, the same way again. And in some respects, you know, even even with this deal, the idea is going to be, okay, now we have somebody who his loyalty isn't to the organization. What he's trying to do is yeah, he's trying to win games, but it's not for the, the team. It, it's not for the organization. It's not for the fans. It's so that, okay, well, maybe if he wins something, he can put himself in a better position next year to leave and, and go somewhere else. I I think I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic, especially if he underperforms. And I guess we, we can define, you know, what underperform would be. But I, I think I, I think it, I think it's going to be a tough year for Aaron Rodgers. Now, again, if the Packers run off, you know, 10 wins or 12 wins in a row, a, a lot can be forgiven by by winning. But I think the way he's going to be looked at by fans moving forward, I think, is going to be different. Okay, let's start with Jason in Sheboygan. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. Um, first off, I agree 100% with everything you said. And um, now, if the Packers win the Super Bowl this year, then I'm 100% wrong. But being said that, I don't see that happening. Um, I also see Rodgers leaving after this year. And uh, I'm kind of mad at Green Bay, to be honest with you, because if you don't win the Super Bowl, his best trade value was coming off an of MVP season. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. 
I don't think he's going to win the MVP this year. So the trade value is a year older, and not coming off an MVP, you lost value. So this was a time to trade him. He doesn't want to be here. And I'm kind of shocked that, and I know he says he loves his teammates, but there's got to be some teammates in a locker room thinking, you don't even want to be here. You know, we know you're leaving. It, to me, it was just, I would have got rid of him. But Well, yeah, thanks for calling. I mean, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I think part of the problem is that, and, and look, I, I don't, I, I leave all the, the football cap, you know, analysis to the guys on ESPN who know a lot more about it than I do. But but I think part of the problem was the way his contract is structured. If they had traded him this year, it would have been a huge salary cap hit that would have cost them a bunch of money. And, and candidly, a lot of this stuff ha- started happening so late that I think that they they maybe lost the opportunity to get the, the best deal. But, but I do think... I, I mean, I, I do think there's going to be a, a lot of, of pressure that, that's that's there. And, I'll, I'll, and I mean, the, the bottom line is, I think for Packers fans, the, the Packers are a religion in this state. You know, they, 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 they just are. And there's this love of the team. And, I mean, I don't know what this, this you know, this other thing they're reporting. He wants mechanisms. There will be mechanisms put in place to address his issues with the team. And I guess what what exactly does that what exactly does that mean? Does it mean that he gets to sit in with the general manager and and have some sort of say over whether you cut the fourth string? To, do, do we keep four tight ends or do we keep you know the you know an, a seventh or eighth defensive back? I mean, what what exactly does that mean? And you know, I guess I, I've just always believed that you you stay in your lane. Now, obviously, in, in any sort of business, it's. You, Good managers solicit the input of of quality people that they have working for them. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, it doesn't matter what the business is. You know, the, the sales manager at your company, you know, if they're smart, you know, they they can solicit the input of the different you know salespeople as to gee, who should we hire next or whatever. But at the end of the day, that that's the decision that that you make. That's what you are hired for, and it's it's the same in any sort of business. So I, I think you said a potentially bad precedent if you're in a situation where you're going to, you know, cede part of that responsibility. Okay, well, we're going to let Aaron Rodgers have input. So, okay, well, what if Balaga says, hey, you know, uh, or um, Bakhtiari, sorry, if Bakhtiari says, well, wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm all pro here. I, I want input as to who we're going to put on the offensive line or, you know, uh, again, you know, at, at what point in time do you say, okay, you've got to stay in your lane and how do fans react to players who, you know, don't necessarily want to stay in in their lane. 855-616-1620. Winning, look, I'll be the first to concede. Winning ends a lot of this. Um, we're getting swamped with text. I, I would say 90% of the text messages are, gee, we're never going to look at Rodgers the same way again. Let's talk to Warren in Milwaukee. Warren, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I have a little different take on this. I think, uh, you know, he did what he had to do to make them, you know, take note of the knowledge that he's gained in playing this football at an extremely high level for 15 years. And I heard you say something about staying in your lane. And, you know, maybe that was true in the 60s football and 50s football and probably through the 90s. But, you know, times have changed. I I think they really uh, – you know, need to listen to him a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't like what he did. I think he probably went about the wrong way. But 
it doesn't taint my view of Aaron Rodgers um, so, at all. And, and I appreciate that. But let, let's let's take a real world situation. I mean, what does in your mind, what does take input from him mean? So you're 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 finalizing the the final fifty three person roster or whatever, and you're you're the general manager and you're the coach and you're making a decision. Gee, do we keep this fourth tight end or do we keep an extra defensive back or something? And Aaron Rodgers comes in and says, "I want that fourth tight end." Do do you follow that? Do you listen to it? Do you let him make that call? Um, I think you do if. The parameters are such that, you know, it fits within the salary cap. Um, I realize that there's financial impact on, on what players are, are selected and what players are kept. Um, but uh, when it comes to, you know, who's performing well, who can I work with, who who seems to make the plays that matter, um, yeah, I think you do listen to uh, him. You don't have to take everything. But certainly, um, I think there was a, you know, I, we haven't heard from him in himself, yeah. but I think if you listen to some of the reports, he had some serious concerns about letting go of some of the no. players that he still felt had, had I, longevity. I, I, and, no, I, know, they, I, I mean, no I, I get it, Warren. I'm just, I, I mean, I, I was listening to you, and I'm, I'm trying, for some reason, I'm picturing my boss. And I'm picturing my boss. If I were to walk in and say, "Hey, I've been here for 23 years. You know, I, I, you know, we, we're kind of established here. And and here's what I think should happen. You know, we're we're hiring a weekend news person. Well, this is who I think you should hire. And and you know, I I think I think we need you know this person in the sales department instead of that person in the sales department. And and I'm just and just imagine you know if if you're a manager, okay, you've got the different employees that are coming in and they're they're saying okay this is what i want to do and then well okay i i just we we don't want jeff to be upset so we'll we'll do what jeff wants us to do i i just don't think you can run an organization like that i mean and that's what i guess i mean by by stay in your lane yeah if you're a good manager whatever it is you're going to solicit input from your employees hey you know what what do you think about this or what qualities we should be looking for but i mean to me it's just a recipe for disaster and and chaos if you're you're letting your you know given athlete if you're letting the whoever this might be if you're letting the employee make all those different decisions and okay you're going to be the coach and you're going to be what the general manager does and i, I mean I, I understand i'm over dramatizing it a little bit but when i say stay in your lane i guess that's that's kind of what i mean you're you're being paid a lot of money to do what it is that you're hired to do and that you do at a high level okay and and obviously like i say you you want to have you want to have input into that anybody would but there's other people that have other responsibilities, and, and they're the ones that have to, um, you know, do do the hiring. Um, Jeff, uh, and uh, if he had already won more than one Super Bowl, maybe he gets a say in anything. But one Super Bowl, Joe Flacco had won. If he won seven, he can, um, you know, say whatever he wants. Look. And that's where we're, we have. I was, I was counting up probably like like a hundred different texts on this. And again, I would say ninety percent of them are like, well, you know, we we love Aaron Rodgers, but we're never going to look at him the same way. I think he has a lot of bridges to build to to rebuild. I think he has bridges to rebuild with the fans. I suspect he has bridges to rebuild with his teammates, and I understand that he has bridges to rebuild with with management. Because because here's the bottom line: nobody, I don't care who you are. Nobody is bigger than an organization. 
And I think that that's just the reality. Now, there's some people who might think they're bigger than the organization. And then, you know, ultimately, if if the organization kowtows to them too much, what it finds is it's, you know, it's really hurt itself. I hope he plays really well. I hope the Packers are in the Super Bowl. I hope he wants to finish his career as a Packer. Wouldn't wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, wouldn't that just be great? But I, I think right now he's got a target on his back. He set very, very high expectations. If he's not able to live up to them for whatever reason, I, I think I think this season could be a unique sort of season in, in Packers history. And the Packers have been around for a long time. Time will tell. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa Barclay, I, I had a really interesting text that I, I want to devote a segment to. Um, you know, in the last segment, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and whether he's been changed, whether fans will react differently to him and things like that. And, and let me ask, before I go to the text, let me ask you a question. Um, you've been in this business for... 22 years. 22 years. Mm-hmm. You started when you were like 12, 18, right? Yeah, you yeah. got it, right? <laughs> I started when I was 18, yeah. Okay. Um, my guess is, along the way, you have had or experienced people who've kind of worked with you and helped you show you the ropes and tell you what you could do to be better at what you do, right? 100%, yes. And my guess is that some of those people that worked with you and helped you along the way there really wasn't anything in it for them you know they just they you know i mean it's they they helped you because they thought that was their their sort of role and they liked you and they wanted to be a mentor but it didn't necessarily benefit them whether you got better or not right? I, w- I would agree with that i think uh probably it would benefit the station yeah. that you were at to make you better right but yeah they saw potential and they worked with you right but in in some cases even by working with you Maybe, just maybe, they were putting themselves at risk. For example, they they help mentor you, and you get really good, and then next thing you know, the station says, hey, we're going to put Melissa in in Jeff's spot or something like that, right? Well, yeah, I think that would be an accurate assumption. A, A possibility, but it didn't stop them from working with you. Right? That's true. I think, um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the the better teammates you have, the the better a whole well, that you are. Well, yeah, I, I guess, and and I, I guess I was, I mean, I've been thinking about that as well. And and obviously, when I started out doing this, there were people who who gave who gave me advice and helped me get better, even though it didn't necessarily whether I succeeded or not, it didn't necessarily make any difference. In some cases, maybe it's, you know, maybe it even worked against them because, okay, well, you know, maybe we don't need X person, you know, we've got Jeff. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is this is one of the texts that that I was thinking of during the, the, the got during the break. Why in the world would Aaron Rodgers mentor love? You know, the, the quarterback, knowing that they might someday be on opposite sides of the line. In other words, you know, why in the world would Aaron Rodgers try to make one of his teammates get better, knowing that this guy could, I don't know, at some point in time, you know, displace him for his job or he might have to play against him? I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think if you want people on your team to be good and you have something you can show them to make them better, regardless of whether they outshine you, I, th- I think it's, it benefits the whole team to to have Aaron Rodgers help Jordan Love. Wouldn't you think? 
I, I do. Our, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I, I guess I really was struck by, by this, this text because for most of us, there are people, in, like in my career, whether it was in radio or in law before that, mm-hmm. there were people, and I remember them, who, who helped me out as I was starting, even though there wasn't anything in it for them. And, and arguably, maybe it was against their better interests to, yes. to, to, when I was starting out as a lawyer, as a trial lawyer, may, maybe it was against their better interests to help me develop because maybe if I, at some point in time, I'd, I'd be a better trial lawyer than they were and I'd get the better cases. But it didn't stop them. They, they wanted to help me out. So I would say this. I am really big into psychology and learning how people think. I think that that phrase or that statement that that person made is coming from maybe someone that is coming from an ego perspective, right? I don't want to help someone because I don't want them to get better than me. But I think if you look at it from, you know, a humbleness perspective, if we've learned anything about Giannis, um, you know, it's all about bringing your humbleness to the table and being the best person you can along with your teammates. So I think that perspective is more, um, you know, what, what can you do for me? What what is it in what does it have to do with me like that the whole perspective of not helping someone else well right do you know yeah. what I mean no I, I I do see to me it's all about I mean it's all about you know legacy and if I, I mean I cannot imagine okay so I've been doing this you know for twenty five twenty six mm-hmm. years however long I've been doing it and and if you had somebody who was starting out in in the industry that wanted to come to me and say Jeff you know I how how would you approach this? You know, how would you? Did you ever deal with this situation? How would you approach that, or or whatever? It wouldn't occur to me not to try to give that person advice, even knowing that hey, that that could be the person sitting in this chair, you know, a year from now or two years from now or whatever. It, it just it, it seems to me that that's part of what comes with being in an organization is you want to you want to do everything you can to help your teammates, to help the people around you, you know, get better. That that's kind of that's sort of the paying it forward. I, I just like also, my friends did, just like people I worked with years ago did that for me. 100%. I think, um, you know, with age and with experience comes wisdom and knowledge that is sort of, you know, something you can pass down. I think of it like that, like you said, legacy. And I think um, it's being a decent human being if you're trying to help uh, a, a person next to you that's in the same profession out, I believe. Well, right. And because everybody, whether it's you know, Aaron Rodgers or Melissa Barkley or Jeff Wagner, who everybody has had people in their past that, that have, that have helped them out. And so it's, to me, it's just kind of the, 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 the pay it forward. And, and again, this isn't Aaron Rodgers saying he doesn't want to help Jordan Love. It's just like, it's mm-hmm. one of our texters saying, why would anybody do that? To which I'd say, well, what, why wouldn't you not help the people around you? So like you, I remember being young and green and new and wanting to do so well. And just having those people step up to help made such a huge difference in my career. So, I mean, I would want to be that integral person that helps bring someone to their full potential. I think that's a beautiful thing. Well, absolutely. And I guess that, and to me, and I think that's, that's what makes organizations successful as opposed to, okay, what's, what's in it for me? And and yeah, I, I understand that I'm I'm giving this kid out of law school, you know, advice as to how to handle this situation or that situation. And yeah, I understand if, if, you know, it might be three years from now, he's going to be getting some of the better cases. I, I, I get that. I understand it, but still, 
it's you you want to you want to help you want to help the people around you get better i just you have to have confidence in your own skills too knowing that you're good as well that right. doesn't mean someone else can't be good next to you right it, well exactly and and also it's the whole notion of you don't mean to be the cliche but a rising tide lifts all boats you know and if, mm-hmm. pe- if people around you are are better it it just good anyways it was i thought it was no that's uh, a deep conversation i think that's a good that's a good perspective a good um you know, it's interesting that they said that, but you can break it down and it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's it. And, you know, I think one of the big things, and I, I don't know what the dynamic was uh, with, with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I, I think, you know, and it, it, some, some of the reports were in the beginning that, that Favre w- was not necessarily nice to, mm-hmm. to Rodgers mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't know what that dynamic was. But again, you'd want, you, you just, you want to elevate people around you. I think that's kind of the history of this. You want to, you, 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 you want to leave a legacy and that legacy is being a good teammate, being a good coworker and trying to mentor people that maybe need it. And yeah, being a decent per- human being and helping people, <laughs> right? That doesn't take a lot of work. Well, well, or a lot, you know, it's not, not well, tough. Well, right. We'll start with being a mentor <laughs> yes, and, 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 and kind of go from there. All right. I, I agree. All right. When we come back, hey, people are mad. Do they have a right to be? Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm a sheet metal foreman. I work with a lot of guys that use that mentality of I will not train new people because they'll take my place. Those are also the same guys um, that have to worry for their job because they're not the greatest. I feel my job is easier when I train the journeymen and apprentices um, in or the pre-apprentices the right way. Therefore, we get the jobs done more efficiently and quicker. I'm not going to be in the trades forever, and we need guys to move up into those positions and continue the quality that the company and the trades put out as, as a whole. Jeff, as I've gotten older, I'm nearly 40, laugh out loud, but a professional for 15 years, there's a lot of satisfaction of helping someone and seeing them succeed. It also speaks to the character of the helper in being able to mentor, even if the mentee might one day take your spot. Well, there's the truth of that because... Look, no, nobody's going to be around forever. That That's it. And if you, I don't know, if you care about legacy, and if, I think as you get older, that becomes more and more important. I think there, there's not a better legacy of saying, hey, this is, um, you know, that, that you've, the, the people that you've come across over the years think that you were a good coworker and maybe you, you helped them out. And I certainly know, like I say, in the ver- various, I've had two careers in my life. One as a lawyer and one as a radio broadcaster. I, I've, I've certainly had people that I look back who I consider to be mentors and I certainly, they didn't have to help me out and, and they did. And I, I appreciate it more than they can know. All right. At the beginning of the program, we talked about the, these new. The CDC has once again changed guidelines, and I, I think this. I think it is disastrous to now say, "Okay, we're, we want to go back for vaccinated people to mask rules in certain areas of the country." I don't think people will do it. I think it sends a mixed message because the the implication is that even if you're vaccinated, the vaccines don't protect you. I, I think it, it's just disastrous. Plus, it feeds into the people who believe that this isn't about sci- following the science. Um, it, it's all just about politics and things like that. And I, I think, again, I think the CDC has made a lot of mistakes over the course of the last year and a half. And, and today I think they're making another big one. But there's an interesting story in, in the New York Times that, that deals with another aspect of this that I want to talk about. The headline is, as virus cases rise, another contagion spreads among the vaccinated. Anger. Frustrated by the prospect of a new surge, many Americans are blaming the unvaccinated. All right. 
And then it goes on to talk about a tougher stance may backfire, some experts warn. And, and of course, over the last 24 hours, there's been a number of reports of in, in certain cities uh, you, you've had New York being one. There's a couple others where you, you've had an announcement that government employees, if you work for the government, you're, you have to be vaccinated or alternatively, you have to, you know, be like tested like every week or something like that. But there's there's a real push and it's particularly in healthcare areas that, you know, by for public employees, mandatory vaccinations, you don't have a choice. But the premise of the article is that more and more people are angry at those who are unvaccinated for for not getting vaccinations. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, for people who are unvaccinated, is it legitimate for people to be angry at you for making that decision? Or alternatively, if you are vaccinated, do you have the right to be angry And that's the word that the New York Times uses, angry at people who have decided not to. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And and I raise this question because I'm sure that there there is some truth to that. I guess at the same time, I don't think anger in this case is, is a productive sort of situation. The majority of people I know are vaccinated. They've made the choice to do it, and they made the choice to do it as soon as they could get vaccinated. And I don't know anybody who's had a significant adverse reaction to to the vaccine. At the same time, I know people who have, for what for a variety of reasons, have made the decision that they're not going to get vaccinated. And in some cases, it's because it, it's it's women who are pregnant or think they're going to become pregnant soon. In other cases, it's, um, you know, people who just have an uncertainty about the, the vaccine. It's an uncertainty, for example, that I don't share. But at the same time, that that's not... That, that's that's not the emotion I feel. Anger isn't isn't one of it. It's kind of like I have a friend I'm thinking of now. I, I I would like that person. I think it's in their interest to get vaccinated. All right, and I'm concerned that if they get COVID, it's going to be like a bad situation. But for whatever reason, they've decided not to do it. I'm I'm not angry at my friend for deciding not to get vaccinated. I I wish I wish they would because again, I I think that the benefits outweigh what the problems are. But is it legitimate? And should we be angry? And that's the word: angry at people who do not get vaccinated. And if you aren't vaccinated. Is it legitimate for people to be angry at you? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Gary. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Can you hear me okay? I can. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Sadly, I lost six relatives uh, last year to COVID, uh, various ages, and uh, I'm vaccinated. And uh, yes, I have a feeling of anger. I don't act out the anger. But it makes me angry that people aren't doing the patriotic thing to protect the rest of our citizens and loved ones in getting a vaccine. Do you do, do you think that those people who have, who have concerns about the safety of the vaccine, um, do, you, do you think that's there, there's no legitimacy in that at all? I had some uh, uh, issues with it. I have a compromised immune system. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, I had a lot of angst 
in doing it, but I had to bite the bullet and do it, uh, especially when, again, loved ones around me were going down. So uh, I did it. I was lucky enough to survive. I don't have a microchip in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm doing fine, but uh, this is a simple thing. Um, and I'm sure that a few of my loved ones, the other ones, I, I think probably there would have been no way to uh, protect them, but right. the other one uh, would be alive okay. today. Okay, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. 855-616-1620. I mean, the, 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 this is one of the, the schisms in this country. It, it is people who are angry, and that's not my word. That's the New York Times story. I mean, angry at people who have chosen not to get vaccinated. And I guess I, I that, that's that's not my word. And 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 like again, I I know people who have chosen not to get vaccinated, and and it's not it's not because they're afraid there's microchips or things like that. There are. It's it's just like there are people who decide not to get flu shots. And believe me, I understand COVID's not like the flu, but but. I, I I don't necessarily understand that. I get the flu shot every year, but anger isn't the emotion that I feel. Is it legitimate? Should we be angry at you if you are one of the people who's made the decision, at least at this point, not to get the vaccine? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Back with more in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Carol in Appleton. Hi, Carol. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm a healthcare provider and I'm vaccinated. And I wouldn't express my feelings as anger, but more frustration mm-hmm. in that um, we in healthcare are going to continue to take care of these folks and we're risking our lives taking care of folks who have decided for whatever reason, some may be okay, some of them are silly, to not take this vaccine also unless we get enough people vaccinated so that this virus cannot survive there's no host it can survive in we'll end up with variants that our current vaccine does not cover and we'll be back to square one You said at the beginning that you were, and you didn't use the word anger, but you said as a healthcare professional, you felt you were, I think, risking your life. I think that that's kind of what you said to, to treat people who've made the decision not to get vaccinated. Why do you feel you're risking your life if you are vaccinated? Because there still are breakthrough um, infections. It's not a high risk, and we're not always um our PPE is not foolproof, mm-hmm. so there is a possibility. And while many of the people who have breakthrough infections don't have serious infections, if you happen to be a healthcare provider who's in a high risk category, your breakthrough infection can be more serious. Mm-hmm. Have you had? Um, have you seen? A, had, had a? Have you seen where, where you work? Have you seen a, a spike in the number of people coming in for COVID? Not a lot in Wisconsin yet, yeah. um, but it depends on where you are. You in the Milwaukee area, in Milwaukee, there's a very low vaccination rate. Mm-hmm. 
So there's likely to be more problems in Milwaukee before there are in other parts of the state. Yeah, I was just asking because I I ran into um, a a couple friends of mine last night who are who are are nurses or work work in a hospital sort of setting, and that was one of my questions. I I was because I was just curious in the hospital that you work at, have you had a a sudden influx of of COVID patients? And and they they told me no. They said they they think that they they had two or they had four. It, It wasn't anything like it was months ago. And I'm not downplaying it. It doesn't mean it can't happen, but I was just, I was kind of, I was sort of wondering whether you've seen a spike, and at least right now you haven't. No. Got it. Good. Thanks for calling. I appreciate the perspective. Let's talk to um, Kurt, who's calling us from Michigan. Kurt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi, for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I, I also work in healthcare, uh, very close to some COVID patients, and uh, yeah, I, I can't, I'm vaccinated, and I, I got vaccinated before the first of the year and had no issues with it. Um, I, I guess I'm of the thought that two things can be true at the same time. One is that it's a good di- good idea to get yourself vaccinated. And two, it's it's nobody's decision but your own. So as far as anger towards other people, I don't, I don't really see it that way. I don't see myself as putting my life at risk uh, when it comes to COVID either because I've got my vaccine and I'm statistically at an incredibly low uh, chance uh, of having anything untoward happen to me. So at this point, for me, it's kind of a non-issue. Everybody's got their has had their opportunity to get the vaccine. Every adult person in this country, anyways, and at this point, they've made their decision, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Would, would you, if not angry, would you use the word perhaps frustrated or not even that? Is it, it not even that? Or do you just think it's it's people's decision one way or the other? Yeah, I I, I wouldn't call my. Well, I think each individual has to do their own calculus in their head about uh, what risk they're they're willing to put up with mm-hmm. and uh if the risk is extremely low without the vaccine and it's also extremely low with the vaccine then they can make that yeah no thanks for perspective kurt it is i i do want to double back on on a number because when we were talking about the the the, the latest cdc change and mask recommendations early on and you know somebody had called in and said well no, these these see i don't think you can i don't think you can have it both ways you either believe the vaccine is effective which i do by the way or 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 you don't and and we had some caller who said well i think that there's a lot more breakthrough cases and hospitalizations and people are reporting and i i, I pulled the most recent numbers that the cdc put out and 150 and this is for the united states 156 million people vaccinated of that they have 153,000 symptomatic breakthrough cases. These aren't 153,000 hospitalizations. These are 153,000 out of um, 156 million. So that's a 0.098% chance, 0.098% um, of those fully vaccinated who've had the breakthrough cases. And uh, of the the example of the, the breakthrough case, that person being symptomatic and then infecting somebody else that that who's non-vaccinated that that's kind of like the unicorn. So I mean, can it happen? Yes. Are are the odds great of that happening? No. It's one of the reasons why. I, see, if I were the CDC, that's what I would be pushing. Not that we need to go back to having vaccinated people wear masks, but hey, you know, if you want to protect yourself, you get this vaccination because the vaccination works. Um, Eric in Menominee Falls. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, I would kind of echo the frustration, um, not so much anger, but it took a year, you know, a year of frustration for folks 
uh, when we couldn't visit loved ones and we couldn't go into work to get this vaccine. And uh, I was frustrated because I couldn't visit my loved ones and so forth. Other folks were frustrated because we were infringing on their rights and, and they had to wear these masks. They didn't want to wear them. Now we're at a point where we have the vaccine, which is the ticket for us to not wear masks. But those same people that were frustrated that were infringing on their rights are now not getting the vaccine because we're infringing on their rights. Mm-hmm. And in the end, those folks are the ones that are keeping the need for masks around because those folks are the ones that are getting sick. So it's, it's you, a little bit frustrating because it's somewhat hypocritical, I think. Do you know people in your life who've made the decision not to get vaccinated? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the, the folks that I know, it isn't. I don't think it's necessarily because they don't believe in the vaccine. It's because we feel like the government is infringing on their rights. Um, and, and they're, okay. you know, they're, I guess, nobody, nobody, nobody can tell. Okay. But it's not that they're, they're afraid there's microchips in the vaccine. It's just nobody should be able to tell me what to do or something like that. Yeah, along those lines. Okay. Along those lines. And I'm frustrated. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I get frustrated with those folks as well. Because they're the ones that are keeping these masks around, but those are also the folks that never wanted to wear the masks in the first place. So it's, <laughs> like I said, it's kind of uh, almost hypocritical. Well, right, or or, th- or at least kind of a, a circular sort of thing. Yeah, see, I, I am definitely not angry, and and I I agree. See, I agree with the basic premise, and one of the callers was talking about that that you can be you can be pro vaccine. And you can be anti-vaccine mandates, I mean, res- respecting individual choices. See, part of that is, again, like I was saying a minute ago, I believe the vaccine works. And I think that for most people, once you've, once you've been vaccinated, you, you've, got, you've got a degree of protection that I am certainly comfortable with. And statistically, the chances of me passing it on to somebody who is unvaccinated is, is very very, very rare. Now that's, I, so I, I wouldn't use anger. That's certainly not the word. I also wouldn't use the, the term frustrated. I guess sometimes it's concerned. Like I say, I'm thinking about one or two people I know who've made that decision not to. And my concern is I think they're more likely to get COVID. And look, I, I've told the story. I, I had COVID. I don't mean to downplay it. It, it was, it was a very, mild case it was not a a life-threatening sort of situation i had a fever one night and then it was kind of like a mild cold for a couple days but i do have a couple friends that i i am concerned that if they get covid maybe it's going to be a a different sort of result and that's why in my mind if i were making a decision for them i'd say get vaccinated because i think on balance you know your concerns about maybe having an adverse reaction to the vaccine are a lot in my opinion, that that's that's a lot smaller than if you get COVID, because I'm afraid you're going to end up in the hospital. So I think my my phrase would be concerned, but certainly not anger, because candidly, I don't think I don't think anger is the way out of it, because anger just if you if your idea is to encourage people to get vaccinated, getting angry with them because they're not that that's not going to motivate them to change their behavior. So if this is going to be something that divides us and people are going to get angry, I, I think all you'd make people do is dig in their heels one way or the other, and we end up getting nowhere. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.